0: You going when times get difficult? What gives you strength? Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm Steve Schwetz, and today the Bible bus pulls up to Psalm 52 through 55, where we'll hear King David talk about the source of his confidence and hope. But before we get started, we've got just enough time to read an email from Cindy in La Habra, California. It's a bit long, but stay with me because God's work in her life really is remarkable. I've been a Bible bus rider on and off for years. I began riding full time about three years ago, Cindy writes. Because of Dr. McGee's faithful mission to teach the whole word to the whole world, I have been drawn into a deeper understanding and love relationship with my God and Savior Jesus Christ. To go a step further, being a part of the world prayer team has transformed me. Let me explain. Through her high school years, our daughter faithfully served the Lord. She went on several mission trips and was the president of Fellowship of Christian Athletes on her high school campus. She was a light for Christ, always pointing others to Him. Sadly, that all changed when she went off to a university. She began listening to the world and has been drawn that way ever since. She no longer reads God's Word, listens to His still small voice, or wants to attend church. She even has a boyfriend who is Muslim. As you can imagine, we were shocked and our hearts are broken. I must confess I had a hardness in my heart toward Islam. I didn't know any Muslims and didn't know much about what they believed. After months of anxious wrestling with God in the middle of the night, He spoke these words clearly to me. She was mine before she was yours. I got the message loud and clear. He's got this, not me. My job was to pray. It was not long after that I joined the world prayer team. Along with praying fervently for our daughter, I began praying for the different countries and people around the world. As I read the stories and prayed for them, I asked the Lord to soften my heart toward Muslims and our daughter's boyfriend. Well, God performed surgery on my heart. I began reading books written by former Muslims who had found freedom in Christ. This taught me much about Islam and how to build bridges instead of brick walls. I also asked that he would bring into my life just one Muslim who I could minister to. Long story short, he not only brought me one, but ten. God has brought me into a ministry of working with refugees from war-torn countries in the Middle East. When they ask me why I am involved, I say it's because what Jesus has done for me and in my heart. My daughter is still a prodigal, but I trust that in his perfect timing, she will be a regular on the Bible bus again in the future, and if it is God's will, with her boyfriend seated next to her. Building bridges instead of brick walls, I love that. Well, thank you, Cindy. Thanks for telling us about the amazing things that God's doing in your life. I know it encouraged me, and I'm sure it has everyone as well. What's God teaching you as we study his word together? Well, you know we'd love to hear your story. You can email us today at biblebus at org. You can always send a letter to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. If you listen in Canada, write to Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. You can also call and leave a message at one 800 Let's pray and thank God for His Word in our lives now. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reminder of your presence in the dark valleys of life. Would you help us to hear your word today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's open now to Psalm 52 through 55 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee.
1: Now, friends, we come to another little segment of psalms that belong together. They are a little cluster beginning here with Psalm 52 and going through 55. And here you have a great prophetic picture that you'll get nowhere else of the coming Antichrist, the man of sin, as he will domineer over Israel and this world during the end of this age. He'll be a world dictator. And you will find our Lord referred to him in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24. Daniel speaks of him coming, Paul speaks of him coming. Now, all of these psalms are masculine psalms. We've seen that that means that they are psalms of instruction. And these psalms give us deep and spiritual truths concerning prophecy, concerning the future. Now, there are a great many wild things being said today in the field of prophecy. There's fanaticism in the great Department of Eschatology today, the doctrine of future things. And some things are being said that ought not to be said. And right now, because of the anxiety and uncertainty of this day, many people are turning to the Word of God. And, of course, prophetic conferences are springing up everywhere, being put on by churches that before never were interested in them. And certain men get interested in these things that never were before. And they go out on a limb. Now, here is a section that could be instructive to a great many relative to this man of sin that's coming. And I'm going to hit some high points here today. Now, I want you to notice Psalm 52. I'll just lift out one or two things. Again, the introduction here, the superscription is inspired, part of the record. It says to the chief musician, Maskil, that is, this is instruction, a psalm of David, when Doeg, the Edomite, came and told Saul and said unto him, David is come to the house of Ahimelech. In other words, here is a man who betrayed David. And because of that, David actually was hurt by so many men who profess to be his friends who betrayed him. We'll see one in particular in this section. Now, listen to him. This is a mark of the Antichrist. Daniel says he'll speak great swelling words, boasting himself. Well, listen here, First 1 of Psalm 52. Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, almighty man? Boasting of his sin, you see. When David sinned, he kept quiet. He didn't say anything. He's under conviction, deep conviction. But you know that man in the world sins. He loves it. He boasts about it. That'll mark the Antichrist. He'll brag about that. And that's the difference between the child of God and the child of the devil. The child of God may sin just like the man in the world. He has the same kind of nature, that old nature. But my friend, the difference is this that the man of God will not be boasting about it, hang his head in shame, hate himself. But the sinner, he's going to brag about it. And the man of sin will be that kind of a man. In fact, he will be the epitome of that. And all the sinners will love him because of it, you see. And this man goes on, verse 2, thy tongue deviseth mischiefs, like a sharp razor working deceitfully. And... The end of verse 1 said, the goodness of God endureth continually. You see, God tolerates him for a short period of time. Even apparently God can't stand him very long, period of seven years. Now we are told in verse 3, thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness. You've heard it said of some people that they'd rather tell a lie even when the truth would be easier to tell. And that'll certainly be true of the Antichrist. Listen to the thing that's said of him here, verse 4. Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. Now, here are names for the Antichrist. O oh, mighty man, in verse 1. He is a mighty man, and he's a deceitful tongue. Couldn't believe a word he says. And verse 5, God shall likewise destroy thee forever. And the word destroy here means God's going to beat him down. And that's what the coming of Christ will do. He'll be a world dictator. No one could stop him. No one but God, of course. And then we're told God is the one to beat him down. Now, verse 6, "...the righteous also shall see and fear, and shall laugh at him." When God brings him into judgment, beats him down, then this one that they once feared, they're going to laugh at him. The biggest laughing stock the universe has ever seen will be Antichrist. Verse 7, lo, this is the man who made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. He'll be a very rich man, of course. Verse 8, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. And let me say just another word about the fact he's a rich man. It's got so today that only a rich man can be elected to office in this country. I doubt whether Abraham Lincoln would make it today. They talk a great deal of politicians about Abraham Lincoln, but I don't think he'd be able to make it to the presidency in this day. And the Antichrist will be able to make it at the beginning because he's a rich man. Yet, in the midst of all that, the child of God will have an occasion. I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. Now I'll wait on thy name, for it's good before thy saint. Now, Psalm 53 is the same as Psalm 14, as far as the translation is concerned. But there's something very interesting about this psalm here. It begins, The fool hath said in his heart, that's the insane man, There is no God, corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Now, the Antichrist will be an atheist, and this psalm here is called a male and it's in sorrow and sickness. It corresponds to the mournful conditions of the last days when Antichrist is ruling. He is, of course, an atheist. Now, the thing that's different is back in Psalm 14, that seems to be identical, yet it's not. We find that Jehovah is used four times and Elohim three times. But here in the 53rd Psalm, Elohim is used seven times. And somebody says, well, what do you make of that? Well, Elohim is God's name as creator. And where is it today that the atheist is denying God? Where is it that it's breaking through? What's relative to creation? God's revelation, the word of God, it's denied. And no longer is the Bible considered trustworthy, infallible, inerrant revelation of God to us. And the first chapters of Genesis are being branded as folklore and myth. Today, even men that say that they are believers, evolution is adopted today as the explanation for the origin of all things. Why, many years ago, an outstanding educator in this country, is president of one of the largest universities, he says, we no longer take anything for granted, not even the existence of God. Now, this is the spirit of Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. You will remember John, in First John 2.22. What is the mark of the Antichrist? He denies the Father and his Son. And if you're going to come to God, you will have to come by faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is his rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And today, they're putting him and the Savior aside. You remember a few years ago, the Beatles said, we're more popular than Christ. Well, that's not true right now. And it's very interesting how the Lord Jesus moved back into the spotlight, having been out so long. But this is a mark you see of Antichrist, and I'll not go into detail in this psalm again as we did when we were at Psalm fourteen. Now, in verse six, O oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion when God bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. Now, friends, I do not see that God is through with the nation Israel unless you're going to just absolutely deny the inerrancy and the inspiration of Scripture. Oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion. When God bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. I'd like to see you get around that, my friend. And yet today, there are men that say they're believers. I noticed today that a great company of the Amillennialists, I studied in an millennial seminary. I think I know this crowd pretty well. They've spiritualized the book of Revelation. And to my judgment, to spiritualize is practically to deny the inspiration of Scripture. And here you have to accept, that is, if you believe language, and I think even a child could understand what's being said here that Zion means Zion, Jacob means Jacob, and Israel means Israel, and God means God. So we can't misunderstand it. Now, when we come to Psalm 54, it's wedged in here, and it's a marvelous little psalm, because in the midst of all of the trouble and the great tribulation, you hear the cry of faith on the part of the remnant of God's people, and I think that great company of Gentiles, too. And I think the historical background here is something we need to note. And I think I should read it to the chief musician on Neginath, And that's a musical instrument. You will recall that it's one of the stringed instruments. And then he goes on to say it's masculine. Here's another psalm of instruction. It's a psalm of David. When the Ziphites came and said to Saul... Doth not David hide himself with us? Now, they absolutely betrayed David. And you have that record back in 1 Samuel 23, 19. I'm not going to take time to turn to it. Maybe you'd like to. 1 Samuel 23, 19. And they came and told Saul where David was. David heard about it. listened to his cry. Save me, O God, by thy name and Judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. We're told that in the time of the great tribulation, brother will betray brother. It'll be a time again of betrayal. An awful thing, but it's true. For strangers are risen up against me and oppressors seek after my soul. They've not set God before them. It's a godless crowd that will betray him. Now that brings me to the 55th Psalm here, we're hitting, as we've said, the high points. It's another of psalm, psalm of instruction, and it's the last in this series that we have put together of these four very outstanding psalms. Now, will you notice, it is, I think, the darkest days of the darkest period in the history of the world. That is, it is the tribulation at its darkest moment. And the man of sin, the personal antichrist, is fully portrayed, I think, here in this psalm in a very remarkable way. And this is something, I'm sure, that many that are even students of prophecy have never considered before. Now, there is a background of this psalm. It says to the chief musician on the Maskil a psalm of David. Now, what is the background of it, though? We're not told. I think this is one he wanted us to seek out. You will recall that when David's own son, Absalom, led a rebellion against him, David left Jerusalem. He found out that a great many had gone over to Absalom, and he did not want Jerusalem and Mount Zion, his beloved city, destroyed. So he went back out to the caves of the earth to be there. Now, here is one that has betrayed David, as we shall see in this psalm, and it goes back to the experience that he had. You will recall that when he went out, he went out weeping, and word was brought to him that Ahithophel had gone over to the side of Absalom, and Ahithophel had just been actually one of his cabinet, been very close to David, and he now had gone over to the other side and betrayed him. I'm turning back now to pick up two verses, Second Samuel chapter 15, verses 30 and 31. Listen to this. And David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet and wept as he went up and had his head covered. And he went barefoot, and all the people that was with him covered every man his head, and they went up weeping as they went up. And one told David, saying... Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And I think, by the way, God did that. But I would say this is one of the most remarkable psalms that we have. Now I'm going to hit high points here, but I want to note the last part of it in particular. He says, as he opens this psalm, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I'm in my complaint and make a noise. David, I tell you, he's like, you know, the squeaking wheel gets the grease. David says, I'm making a noise before you, Lord. I'm crying out to you because I'm in a desperate situation. I've been betrayed, been betrayed By a friend. And he says, verse 3, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is very pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. David did not know but what he'd be slain, you see, at that time, and especially when those that were around him had deserted him. Now, verse 6, And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. You remember at first he was advised to fly away to his mountain. That is, go back out. David at first would not do it. But now, when it seems all is lost, and even a Ahithophel, one of his trusted advisors, one who was close to him, has now betrayed him. It reminds you of something, I'm sure of Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Christ. And then this nation will be betrayed by Antichrist. And many of us have had this happen to us. I've been a pastor for years. And every now and then, I must say, I've had some wonderful men on my staff. But I've had one or two that turned out to be Judas Iscariot. And they turn out to be a Ahithophel. They betrayed you. And it hurts, of course, to have someone that you had confidence in. But it was thou a man, mine equal, my God, and my familiar friend. Now, this is David speaking of him. Antichrist will betray this nation. They will pretend to have been, you see, the friend. He made a covenant with him. Listen to him. We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. All these fellows will pray with you, and they'll pray for you when you're there. But when your back is turned, they will put a knife in your back. Now, friends, there are folk like that today. They're around us. If Antichrist appeared tomorrow, he'd have a following before the sun went down. Now listen to David. And this is imprecatory, I grant you, but you listen to him. Let death seize upon them and let them go down alive into Sheol, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. We have a frightful expression today, and I think it's terrible. You hear it in the world. Sometimes you hear somebody say to another, go to hell. That's an awful thing to say. And may I say to you, David almost said that relative to Ahithophel. Our Lord prayed for those that despitefully used him. And someday God will deal with these as he's dealt with Antichrist. Now... Listen to him here. Listen to this man, David, now, verse 16. As for me, I'll call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. What a picture that you have here. Evening and morning, and at noon will I pray, and cry aloud, he shall hear my voice. I'll tell you one thing your enemy will do for you, friends. He'll cause you to pray more than probably you've ever prayed before, and that may be a very good thing after all. Now, listen to David here. And this is a picture now of Antichrist, verse 21. Oh, is he a liar? And the devil is called a liar from the beginning. Antichrist is right out of the pit of hell, friends. Listen, the words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn sowing? Oh, how terrible, how awful, pretending to be a friend of David and at the same time plotting against him. That's Antichrist. Verse 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord. He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Now, may I say this to you today, Christian friend, and I can speak after some experience. Turn your enemies over to God. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Turn them over to God. Say, Lord, deal with them. And you know, over a period now, many years, I've been a pastor 40 years, I found out the Lord does a better job of dealing with them than I would because he knows how to do it. I don't. Turn your enemies over to God, those that have betrayed you. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. That's what they'll be doing in the Great Tribulation. Only place to turn. And many of us find that a good place to go today. Verse 23, But thou, O God shall bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I'll trust in thee. What about you today? And what about me today in this world? Are we going to start crying and hating people and start criticizing them? No, my friend, may I say to you, let's start trusting the Lord today. That's the way out. May God richly bless you, my beloved
0: That was a great message. To find resources that will help deepen your trust in God, call one eight hundred sixty-five bible or visit ttb.org. Again, that's one eight hundred sixty-five bible or ttb.org. I'm Steve Schwetz, thanking God for your company today on The Bible Bus. Jesus. Through the Bible is a five-year study of God's entire Word, and together we discover God's purposes in history and our lives, found only when we believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know Him yet?